Welcome to Noob Heavy Radio yet again. This episode's going to be a little bit different. This is the start of my sort of variety hour series. Basically, once or twice a month, I'm going to highlight some tracks that just came out, some tracks that are about to come out. This episode, we're going to listen to music from Abiotic, Demon King, The Scala Process, and Malice Divine. We've also got a very special interview with somebody who hates metal, absolutely despises it, which is a bit of a departure for the show, because normally I interview people who do like metal. And then I'm probably just going to throw in something called Carcass Bombs Guitar Minute, where I just play guitar for a minute live, uh, live recorded, so it's going to be shit, because I'm not that good, and... It's not prepared in any way. I'm just going to improvise for a minute and you have to deal with that. (laughs) I don't know when that will be. It's not going to be right now, though. Right now, I think we should start with what is perhaps my favorite album of the year so far. You've probably all heard about it by now. Like, if you're listening to this, you probably follow me and I haven't really shut up about it. I love this album. It's very unique in the world of tech death. Unique tends to be a hard thing to do because everyone is trying to be quite unique. There's a lot of unique tones and uh, compositions going on. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher these because I'm Australian and these are Japanese words, but the album is called Ikagi, which is a Japanese concept, which is basically means a reason for being, which we'll get into the concept behind this album and a bit of what the band is about after listening to the title track. Ikagi right now. Check it out.
So solid. So much energy going on there. I It's the first main track on the album after the introduction. Every time I throw this album on, it's just the first impression. It's just a really good feeling. It's just, you know that you're in for some good shit. Like, you want to keep listening along for all the changes and the bits of story that are in there. It's a really big album. And a really impressive album for a couple of reasons. Like, in particular, this band has been on hiatus for a bit. I think since around 2015 or so. And a lot of bands don't come back from my hiatus. A lot of bands don't come back the same at all. Whereas this is a really just huge comeback for these guys. I mentioned before that the album title Ikagi, which means a reason for being, is very much a part of the concepts. So I'm just going to read you a bit of what the guitarist John Nardos says about the album, which is in the press release here sent to me by... Mind Eraser PR, so thanks for sending me this, guys. It really made my month. I've been listening to it non-stop. Anyway, John Mato says, The title Ikagi translates from Japanese as a reason for being. Each song represents a different approach to that concept. After five long years, we decided that as much as we love albums about space and aliens, we wanted to write something that could be felt and that would be relatable, as we all struggle to find our reason to carry on in these trying times. Lyrically, this album tells so many stories. Cover art depicts a traditional samurai committing seppuku, and as the samurai is bleeding out, he sees these lives, his future lives. Life as a trans man or woman facing intolerance, as an addict, as an abused child battling mental health, as an owl as its home is destroyed by climate change, an infinite amount of lives struggling, but persevering in their struggle. Tying it all together, he finds his purpose in that moment of connection before he passes away on that field in 16th century Japan. So that's pretty much the concept in a nutshell there i think the departure from singing about cosmic elements and space and all that is a huge part of what makes this album more unique i think they very much succeeded there uh, i do like that when they've considered all of these people in the world and these roles in the world of struggle that they did be inclusive of trans issues there because that is very much a, a relevant struggle right now in the world Trans people are struggling very hard with intolerance, and that's a very current thing that needs to be addressed, and that's a very relatable thing for many people, I know. So it's really cool to see that there. All around, it's just a fantastic album. So, yeah, go check that out. Listen to the full thing. A bit of everything in there. Uh, their influences here state The Faceless, which fucking killer band. Gojira, yeah. The Black Dahlia Murder, it's okay. Job for a Cowboy, yeah, getting better. And Rivers of Nile, which I can easily see the Rivers of Nile comparison there. That is, I'm a huge fan of Where the Owls Know Your Name. And I think that's why I might have connected so strongly to this, because there is a bit of a similar overall composition there, where you get the breaks from the brutality, and you get a bit more atmosphere. You know, and it tells a story. Anyway, let's move on to some more Tech Death. This is some blackened Tech Death from newcomers Demon King, who have a brand new EP, which is absolutely killer, and that's called The Final Tyranny. It's it's a short EP. It's four songs, but they pack a punch. The beats per minute are insane. It's like some Archspire shit. We've got some sick vocals. They're blackened vocals. They're quite melodic. It's almost... People hate it when I make this comparison, but I love Cradle of Filth, so fuck it. It's a bit filthy. Let's check out the song Invoking the Spirit of Chaos, and then after that, we'll dip in to the very special interview we have with the guy who hates metal.
yeah, this one's been getting non-stop play for me as well, just like Abiotic. Both of these albums are already out, so you can go and check out the full things. Highly recommended. Love the ending on that track. It's such a satisfying, sudden end. It's very, it, it just something about it. It's just very satisfying. It's a weird sound at the very end there. Love it. Great job, the Demon King. Now we're going to move on. Well, before we move on to the very special interview, it's a short one. I guess I'll plug myself. Fuck it, I don't do this enough, but I need to do it because I need to work. I do PR campaigns for metal bands. I like to think I do a pretty good job. I can show samples of my press releases. It involves all the information. I do the writing of many of the bios as well. I make sure everything's highly accessible. You know, and I help with I help the bands plan what's gonna happen, how we're gonna do it, you know, give advice on the social media side of things. Most importantly, I manually send those press releases off to hundreds of promoters. I've got about 600, you know, reviewers, interviewers, those kind of people, and about 300 airplay, which is like radio hosts and podcasters like myself, like this very show sort of thing, but not my show. I'll get you on other people's show. That's my job. I have a very Bandcamp focused approach. So what I'll do is there's about 100 to 200 promoters who I think would be most receptive to your music. So I shoot them a personal message with the Bandcamp code, which means I have to hand do each email, not just send off a mass email, because you've got to include the Bandcamp code for each person. So it's very highly personalized, and it starts getting your Bandcamp support rolling, because you're getting those early followers on the supporters on the Bandcamp page, which looks great and can often entice people to pre-order it. And it generally helps get your release into the Bandcamp algorithm. So the Bandcamp approach has been a very good one. uh, And people have been very much enjoying getting Bandcamp codes. Another thing I do is a little bit before release, I hand out uh, just a smaller amount, say 20 or 30 Bandcamp codes to a bunch of close sort of friends and promoters that don't necessarily have a website or anything like that just hitting the socials you know music enthusiasts and i create a sort of early listening party where you start to get more for you know get a bit more supporters on the page and some reviews and stuff like that right before release to give it a bit more of a boost again and plus it gets people talking about your release and that's the most important thing is yeah it's good to get reviews it's really good to get reviews but it's also really bloody good just to have people talking about it that's often the number one way that regular music enthusiasts find their music is through their peers. They're all following the blogs. And as an added bonus, I'm dirt cheap. I do this shit for like 300 AUD. That's like $230 in American. That's such a solid campaign. I don't know how long it's going to stay that price because as my email list grows and the more it takes to email all of these people, that rate's going to get a bit higher. But for right now, for the next month or so, it's at least going to be very affordable for pretty much anybody. If you're in a band that has like three dudes in it, bam, that's 100 100 bucks a head. And then you've got a proper campaign for your release that involves months of coverage and work. It's just an ongoing thing. But no matter what, I'm always going to be cheaper than these other motherfuckers. You know, I'm always giving out discounts. I'm easily pushed over. You could just come up to me and, you know, just talk to me, tell me your situation or whatever, and we'll work something out. And I also do consulting for donations. And I can do a bit more than consulting, such as bio writing and such, for just a little bit more than a donation, but far less than a campaign. That also comes with my own social support for the release. Anyway, that's enough of myself plugging. Let's go to the interview that I promised with somebody who hates metal. Today we've got a very special interview. Normally on this show, I try to interview people who like metal. This time around, I'm interviewing someone who absolutely hates metal. Welcome to the show, Dr. Martin. Hello, Carcass Bob. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, like I said, normally I don't get people on the show that don't like metal, but I saw you on Twitter subtweeting me. You're saying that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, you were not keen at all, and you thought I should be stopped. I got on there and I said, hey, why don't you say that to my face? And then you did. So then I said, well, why don't you come and say that on my podcast? So here you are. So why do you hate metal so much? 
Yes, we had a little powwow on Twitter, and now here I am. I don't like metal because I believe it's a violent genre, full of violent people, always singing about war. And now we've got these new bands telling us that we should be killing landlords. It's just plain unacceptable. Okay, well that's a pretty basic argument against metal there. That's something that I think it could be applied to many genres of music. Uh, rap can be very violent. Uh, really any genre can be very violent. Like Even emo can be violent in terms of self-harm and things like that. So why exactly have you chosen metal to stand up against? Because you're very vocal against metal, but I don't see you approaching violence in any other aspect of media or our culture. Are you often exposed to metalheads in your day-to-day life in some way? Yes, media in our culture is very violent in general, but I think metal in particular has the most gathering of violent individuals. You look at their shows where they all get together and they bash each other for hours on end. It's ridiculous. And yes, I do encounter metalheads quite often in my day-to-day. As you know, I am a doctor of medicine, and so I get many patients who are metalheads. Let me tell you, the ones in the band shirts are the smelliest of my patients. Ah, I see. So you've got a bit of a personal bias for discrimination even going here, which isn't a good thing for a doctor, I don't think. Is there any kind of, is there a specific band shirts that you notice frequently, or is there different types of metalhead patients? What is it about them that bothers you, other than them smelling? Oh yes, there is definitely a difference. For one, the faded, the more faded, the metal shirt, the smellier the balls. And let me tell you, the smelliest band shirts you'll ever find are the Pantera ones. Those guys just don't understand hygiene whatsoever. The ones I don't mind seeing are the ones with the four-sided death metal long sleeves, because you know they look after themselves. They're very well groomed. Always smell very nice. So you're very caught up about the smells again. I, I feel like you might have some kind of smell obsession. Let's try to move away from that. What sort of what sort of reasons do metalheads most likely come into the doctors and see you for? By far, metalheads are the biggest waste of time in the medical industry. Too often I get people coming in with broken noses, bloody heads, and they think it's hilarious, they think they're really cool, and I'm constantly having to stitch these dumb bastards up. And another very popular reason for metalheads to come to the doctors is that they always wondering what's going on with their dick. They just never know what's going on with it. There's always something wrong with it. Oh, it's red. Oh, it's excreting this. Oh, it's doing this. I don't understand. What's wrong? Am I going to lose it? They just need to learn better hygiene. Like I said, the worst dick I ever saw in my life was that guy in the faded pad terrace shirt. Holy shit. So that's one place where you and I can definitely agree, and that's that dudes in Pantera shirts are surely the smelliest. But I don't think people should be forced to live a life where they don't take any risks, you know? Like, sure, they might have a bit of fun and get hurt, but who are you to say that they shouldn't be having this fun, taking this risk? Like, why shouldn't you be there to service people with the population who got injured doing something fun as opposed to people who got injured... In, in just bummer ways. Well, you asked, who am I? And you already know, I am Dr. Martin. And I don't think there should be any dangerous fun for one reason and one reason only. And that is taxes. Yes, I do know you, Dr. Martin. I find it interesting, usually doctors have their last name as like, you know, Dr. Whatever. But you seem a bit more casual and you're having your first name as your doctor name? Uh, Martin is my last name. My full name is Michael Martin. And my name is Dr. Martin. Now, do you have anything else you wish to discuss? Hey, look, you agreed to be on my show. If that, That's my role to ask if there's something more you want to discuss. I don't think there is, because you're a bit of a dickhead. But is there any last words you want to provide before we end this segment? Yes, I think metal should be stopped, and I think Noob Heavy should stop what they are doing immediately, or risk legal action from my lawyers. I have many lawyer friends, doctors and lawyers are well known for hanging out with each other. So don't think I won't take action if you do not cease promoting this violent music that is filling my ward with needless injuries. It's a serious problem and I cannot wait until it's addressed on a state level. Alright Dr. Martin, well you have a shit day. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing here. In fact, right now, 
we're going to play some more music, some more violent, violent music. And I hope that you people out there moshing in your lounge rooms or wherever you may be, get a mild injury. Well, you know what? <laughs> get a mild injury that makes you feel cool more than it makes you feel sore. Bye-bye. Oh, that's the interview. We like to have a bit of fun here sometimes. <laughs> If you have any suggestions for the show or if you want to hear more shit like that, definitely give me some feedback. You know, definitely encourage me. I'm always wanting to try and uh, find ways to make this show a little bit different from everyone else's because everyone's got a show where they play tunes. I want to do a bit more than that. You know, like I said, bring a bit of variety. Well, we're on to the second half of the show now. So let's start with some albums that haven't been released yet but are coming out very soon. I'm recording this on the 16th of February. These albums are coming out on Friday the 19th. So possibly by the time you're listening to this, you could already hear them, which is sweet. If not, don't worry, you can hear them here, right now. Well, track at least, anyway. Got a uh, new album coming out on Friday on the Transcending Obscurity label, which is one of my all-time favorite labels. They're consistently good. We've got Technical Death Metal from The Scala Process, their new album, Coagulative Matter. This is a really cool album. It has a lot of sort of... There's huge death doom elements to it, but there's also a lot of melody like you'd expect from Tech Death. It's just a lot more darker and downtuned a lot of the time. There's some absolutely massive tracks on this one. Like one of them is like 11 minutes. Good variety across the board. There's some one minute tracks, some five minute tracks, some three minute tracks, you know. It tells a story. There's a pretty concise progression where you can feel there's a bit of a halfway point and then it just sort of buckles down a bit harder for the last half. It's a very cool album. We're going to listen to the song Beyond the Veil of Consciousness.
Great stuff from Transcending Obscurity Records, as always. That album's out on the 19th. Definitely has a few surprises on there. I think it's one definitely worth checking out, if not a huge highlight for a release day on the 19th. And that album, again, is Coagulating Matter by The Scala Process. So go to the Transcending Obscurity Bandcamp page, have a look for that one. Now it's time for some melodic death black metal, black death. I don't know which order you're supposed to put those. Does it really matter? I've been getting into a fair bit of mellow death and mellow black metal lately. It's not a genre I'm hugely familiar with. I was really impressed with this album off the bat. It's very sophisticated. It's not as cheesy as a lot of the mellow death I've heard. And I was very impressed to find out that this is actually a solo project because it sounds like a regular album you'd get from a full-ass band. There's no sign that you sometimes get of a solo project where parts have been heavily neglected or the strengths and weaknesses are very clear. There's a lot of strengths shown across this album and I think they should be very proud of what they've done here because it's really huge and there's a lot of story going on. Like The press release I got for this is one of the most in-depth, I think. Like They damn near reviewed their own album track by track so we're gonna have a bit of a listen to a song called malicious divinity from malice divine off of their self-titled album coming out on the 19th
And that was Malice Divine. Self-titled album coming out 19th of February. Get on that. Rick Galvis, the mastermind behind Malice Divine, was a contestant two years in a row for Banger TV's Shredder of Metal series. Some of you might have seen him there. As I said, it's really high quality stuff for one person to be putting out. I haven't seen this level of solo fuckery since maybe White Crone, Lisa Mann, like how insanely good that album was. And Rick had to say about that track in particular, Malicious Divinity, that it's the fastest song on the album overall. The song has a very dark and exotic vibe to it, and I have to agree with that statement. It's pretty fucking fast. Across the album, there's a fair few influences, not just Black and Death, but uh, quite a bit of traditional and thrash and classical, even because they're like a classically trained guitarist where they've had lessons in classical guitar. So there's a lot of different elements of guitar coming into play here. It's very much a guitar wizard kind of album. So if you play guitar, if you like guitar, I think you'll really dig this one. Holy fuck, it is hot in this room. It is getting hard to finish this podcast as I go on. Because I can't have my fan on. Or else, it'll, all you'll hear is my fan. And it's really fucking loud. So I'm just sitting here in the middle of the day. Which is the hottest time of the day in Australia. Just in my underwear, sweating my ass off. Trying to get through these tracks. Trying... To maintain my energy, but holy shit, after that interview earlier with Dr. Martin and everything, I, that wore me right out, that interview. That was, a, that was a tough one. A lot of energy went into that one. Speaking of guitar, I was going to do a guitar minute at some point. That proved way too hard to do. Can't be fucked. Haven't got the energy. Playing guitar in this heat, no way, thanks. But also, just don't get that much time to practice, so it's going to sound like shit. So instead, I'm going to think of a new segment to put here towards the end before I play the final song. A personal segment, I guess. What am I doing today? What's my week looking like? Well, today I'm trying to sell an electric scooter that I brought off my mother to do her a favor because she needed money. And I had money at the time. And it turns out I can't even ride this scooter because it's one you need a license for because the motor's too beastly. I don't drive a car, so I don't have a license, and now I really need money, so I'm trying to sell this fucking thing. I have no idea how to sell, like, an automobile. I don't I don't do that shit. It's not my style. So that's going to be a stressful thing that's about to happen in, like, 20 minutes. Someone's coming to look at it, see if they want to buy it or whatever. Fuck that. I hate talking to people. Why am I doing this? Because I've got a party that I'm, my partner is going to on Friday that I'm invited to. And I just want to be able to afford to go there with shit, you know, cigarettes, drinks, things like that. But Christ, there's this whole situation of having to sell a fucking scooter so that I can go to a social event. It's just been the most stressful shit ever. I just wish neither of these events existed and I could just chill, play my fucking games, listen to my metal, look after the kids, and have time to play guitar. Oh, I miss playing this thing. You know, like, when I go out, I prefer to go to, like, the movies or something, you know, I sneak in, like, a backpack full of drinks, and I just go get pissed at the movies. I usually don't even, like, look at what I'm going to watch beforehand, I just sort of pick what looks like, you know, the most interesting based on the cover and the rating. It's got to be at least an M. I'm not going to watch some PG shit. But the result of that's pretty hit and miss. I mean, I've seen some really fucking bad movies, but I did so comfortably in the cinema, so, you know, what can you say? That's why you drink. Good, any movie can be tolerable if you're drinking. The last movie I saw there was The Dry. Holy shit, that was bad. Like, it wasn't very good. It was an Australian sort of procedural crime thriller, drama, mystery, with Eric Benner as the main character, and he just kind of sucks now. Like, he was good in movies like Chopper back in the day, but just not. it feels like a, he phoned it in, basically. And it just wasn't a very interesting story. And it had pretty bad depictions of, like, troubled youth. Where, oh, look, the only girl with four earrings in her ear. She's the troubled one who kills herself or whatever. Sorry, spoilers. But, uh, and everyone else is depicted as this very normal-looking person. No, the person with the four earrings. you got to watch out for that. Like, very stupid shit like that. Where it just feels like... It was made up by some writer as opposed to 
based on any kind of real experience. Before that, I saw Shadow in the Clouds, which is even worse. That's just, oh, it's such a bad movie. It's like a modern war movie where they make the plot half about... half a failed attempt at representing feminism and half a really hilarious attempt at injecting horror into war movies. So basically, they stole the whole concept from the Twilight Zone of the gremlin on the plane, and they just applied that to wartime planes, and it's really fucking goofy. That I recommend looking up some reviews of the goofiest shit in that movie, because it is just hysterical. Like, I belly laughed in the cinema a few times, and I think a few other people found it a bit corny as well. I don't think many people there took it seriously, despite just how serious it takes itself. Part of the reason it's so fucking messy was because the dude who originally wrote the script handed in like 70 pages in big writing. There wasn't much there to begin with. And, you know, we've got a dude writing about feminism, which is, it is what it is. It's not going to be effective. It's going to be shit. But even worse is this guy got caught out for basically sexually and emotionally abusing a bunch of women and they called him out. So he got taken off, but the studio took the script that they got from him to the director and asked her to rewrite it and that's just not their job it's not a director's job to rewrite a script that someone else wrote so that's right there it's chaos and that's why the movie sucks anyway a new segment is born and finished the new segment is personal stuff segueing into film talk and that's going to be happening every episode Let's end this whole thing with a song that you've all probably heard because Humanity's Last Breath re released just last week and it is already the biggest release in metal of the year, perhaps. Like, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's impressed. It's got over a million streams. It is just insane how well received this album is and it deserves it because it's really strong production on this one. And it has some very creative tones and effects used. It's just a very interesting album across the board. There's no track that doesn't have a little quirk to it to keep it interesting. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter exclaim that, Oh, I'm I can't believe I'm listening to Deathcore because this is so good. Like, this is an album that is actually getting people into Deathcore and making them realize the potential of the genre. So this is, yeah, an inspirational album. I'd say for myself, this is the most I've appreciated something with a lot of degent in it. Anyway, this is the song Earthless from Humanity's Last Breath off of their recent album, Valde. Go to newpavy.com, check out all our reviews, hire me for PR. Till then, see you next week.